welcome back to the Euro Trips Football Podcast. We're back for another episode as we go through our worst team of the season. So, of course, if you haven't yet seen our episode, we have done our best team of the season episode, which we did about two weeks ago. And we are now back with our alternative, our worst team of the season. So, something we've done for the past two, three years since doing the podcast. Um, and, of course, we, last time we um, did the... Uh, uh, over the our teams this season, we gave you guys a chance to um give your a vote for your team of the season. So overall, these are the results. In goal is uh Mark Andre de Stegen. The back four consists of Jeremy Fringpong, Kim Min Jae, William Saliba, and Purvis Stupinen. Uh, Odegaard De Bruyne and Roger make up a Premier League heavy midfield three, and then the front three is Salah, Haaland, and Kvaratskhelia from Napoli. Um, so now it's time for our worst team of the season. So we will again. Um do our votes on Twitter, and then we will, in the next episode, in a week's time, we will give you the results of who, and of course you'll see it on our Twitter as well, of who made the teams. Um, so I have already got our team from Jonathan, you will hear that part later on in the episode. But in the meantime, we have all this time, unlike the best teams of the season, going for our same formation, which is going to be 4-3-3 from all of us. But in the meantime, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm, as ever, joined by Ryan and Naeem. Um, how are you, boys? Yeah, doing very well, thank you. Weather's been good last week or so, so, you know me, I'm a summer person, so I can't complain. Yeah, I can wholeheartedly agree with that statement. <laughs> For me, it's too warm. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely a winter person over a summer person. I, I, I hate the heat, and... Um... Yeah, like it's been, but finally, like when I've, I've been, I reckon I'm more warmer now than I am in Thailand because you had the aircon in Thailand. Oh so yeah, because like, there's no aircon in the in the buildings. Can oh, we get a can we get a, can we get a hard drive check, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> we will move on. Um, so we're going to do like normal. We're going to do our um, position by position. Um, so we're going to go goalkeeper first. So we're going for Ryan this time for your goalkeeper. Mm. Well, mine is actually a goalkeeper that I do like and has been, in my opinion, one of the most underrated throughout Europe over the last 10 years. But this year definitely is worse. That is Samir Handanovic of Inter Milan. Just was pretty poor throughout the first half of the season and he ended up getting dropped for Andre Onana, who has been excellent in the second half of the season for Inter. Night and day, the difference. And I would say that that is the beginning of the end for Handanovic's career, especially in Europe. So, yeah, he gets my honour. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, obviously Onana's come in taking the spot. It's just, um, so he's obviously, his position is completely in, in doubt now. So where do, you, where do you see him going? Do you think... He will leave this summer if, if he's not already leaving or what do you see happening to Handanovic? Maybe. I mean, he's been there a very, very, very long time. Will undoubtedly go down as a legend of Inter, but perhaps he'll follow every other player at the moment and go to the um, Middle East, but I don't know, really. It's hard to say. He may well stay at Inter and, and be happy or content as backup. He is getting on now. I believe he's probably around 37, 38, if not older. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it all comes around. 
I mean, you mentioned the Saudi thing. I mean, this is actually getting a bit beyond just a a crazy dream right now because you know Ronaldo went months ago, of course. Then this this recent few weeks, Benzema's gone to Saudi Arabia, um, and Golo Kante seemingly on his way to Saudi Arabia as well. And there's other players I've forgotten about, but the one that came out today with of course was the biggest shock I think has come around is Ruben Neves, um, mm-hmm. twenty six years old, um. Seeming sacrificing, you know, a player that just a few weeks ago was saying about how he wanted Champions League football, and now he's seemingly cashed in for um a, a job, or sorry, a, a place in the Saudi Arabian League. Now, boys, I mean, this is, I mean, we we've seen the Chinese league. Oscar is the most common comparison with this in terms of a player leaving in in his prime for a league like this. But do you think with the amount of money that Saudi Arabia putting into this, that do you, do you think maybe? This is an even bigger threat that the Chinese Super League ever was. Yeah, I'd say so because obviously with the Saudi League, it's obviously a country's um one of the richest countries in the world. So I think yeah, you're just going to see quite a lot of players, not many so more in their prime, um, but players near the end of their career just you know had a bit of extra payday there, and yeah, we've seen obviously this, this summer it seems like quite a lot of players are going to go there, but. Obviously, it's not a very decorated league, you know, but I still won't watch it anyway, just because those players are there. I might watch some highlights or whatever, but yeah, I think with the Chinese league, obviously the money wasn't endless, and with the Saudi sort of money, these billionaires, um, their money can stretch a long way. So, yeah, you're just going to see quite a lot of players going there. Um, And yeah, you might see one of the odd one or two players in their prime. Like obviously, with Oscar, when he left for China, he was, he was in his prime, and He's been there a couple of years now, but yeah, I think it'll just be mainly players near the end of their careers or just yeah, want a quick, quick payday before they retire. Okay, so yeah. quick question for you, Ryan. Um, actually, I'll go on your point, but after making your point, um, which player do you predict will go next to Saudi Arabia after um, after Neves and Kante? <sighs> I mean, there's a lot of big names, especially from Chelsea, which I'll just mention in a minute, but. There's seemingly quite a lot of big players. I've also seen today that Thomas Partey is also being linked, so he could very well go. It seem is seemingly endless. I think they've made an offer to Bernardo Silva, but I don't believe he will go there. I think his so so it said on the report that I read that his preference was PSG or Barcelona. Seems like Man City are losing losing actually quite a lot of players this summer, which is a bit strange. Um, the, the the Chelsea point though, I mean Chelsea are offloading a lot of players. I think Koulibaly is going to go there, Hakim Ziyech, um, the goalkeeper Mendy, uh, maybe maybe even Lukaku if Inter can't buy him. And it's interesting as well because I've seen a a lot of comments made because it's obviously come out sort of that Saudis or PIF, basically the Newcastle owners now own 60% stake in um, Chelsea's owner's portfolio. Not sure exactly how it works, but it seems a bit strange now that Chelsea this summer had to sell players to comply with financial fair play, had to raise a lot of money, and now they're seemingly getting massive offers come in for players in their 30s towards the end of their careers or certainly not worth the kind of money that Chelsea would get from from a European club. And they're getting these massive wages off their books and whatnot. 
And in my opinion, I think it just sums Chelsea Football Club up in a nutshell because they've always done things the wrong way. They're, they're a horrible fucking club. They really are. And it's just where, you know, where where does it end at the end of the day? And for the Saudis, I mean, one day they'll they'll run out of oil. So they're not they don't have an endless supply of money. And I I believe following China's model won't work. It didn't work for them. Although they didn't get the same caliber of player, they they should look towards more coaching and trying to bring their own players through and using academies and whatnot, like they're trying to do in Africa, not what they're currently doing right now because it's it's obscene. But final point, I don't blame the players for making the move. At the end of the day, if it was anybody else, they would take it in a heartbeat. If you're if you're N'Golo Kante and you're getting offered a hundred million pounds or euros for one season or two seasons or your life, you want to take that, it sets you up and your children and the grandchildren for the rest of their lives. Like it's a no brainer. So I don't blame them in the slightest. I mean, the Cantor, I don't blame, even though I'm, I'm of the feeling like they've got enough money in their career. Do they really need that much money? But at the same time, I think Cantor, I don't blame because he's won a Champions League. He's won a Premier League, a World Cup. He's won player of the year. He's yeah. you know, he's at a point in his career now where he is, you know, he's on the decline. You know, his injuries are getting more and more. You know, I, I can understand that. Um, I can understand yeah. Benzema to a certain extent because he's already a legend at the club, and I think that you know he can always leave on a high, uh, not overstay his welcome. But the Nevers one for me um, would be one that I, that just sit not right with me because not just because he's taken the money, but also because he said just weeks ago that he wants Champions League football, and then he's seemingly just been turned. Um, it is shocking. It's, it, it is shocking, especially considering Barcelona have wanted him for a little while now, and obviously we know that they can't afford anything nowadays. But they would have still probably found a way around getting him, and if not them, he could have definitely got a move to a decent European club. But yeah, to to almost sell out, you know, whether he just planned to go there for a year or two and then maybe return to Europe like a couple of other players did when they went to China. I don't know, but yeah, it is it is almost sad in a sense to see. Mm, I agree. And you, you mentioned about obviously this whole thing with Chelsea and I think that is why, genuinely why I do believe that maybe one of those players that could, you know, could join this league at a young age could be Mudrick because I think that the mm. field he's on, if he's not getting games under... You know, under the under these managers, whoever it's whether it's Poch or someone else that comes in afterwards, then I could I can see potentially that being a thing they do. You know, that they'll be able to afford his wages. Not many teams will be able to do that. Chelsea can offload him, and they can, you know, they they can almost cheat the system. Um, yeah, we are going to move on to Naeem's goalkeeper in his La Liga worst team of the season. Most of my team features players from the bottom half of the, of the table, so obviously the performances haven't been up to scratch. Um, my worst goalkeeper of the season is Edgar Padilla for Elche, who got relegated with a record low points. He started all but two games this season and he conceded the most goals out of any of the goalkeepers in the league, which was 63 goals. Um, and yeah, they finished on 25 points. They finished the season quite well, but yeah, they was pretty much relegated before just after the um, World Cup uh, break when they restarted. So... I've gone for Edgar Badia in goal from Eltre. Okay, so moving on to my goalkeeper. 
Um, I've gone for one of the three relegated teams goalkeepers. I've gone for Danny Ward as my goalkeeper. Um, I think this one was for me, besides my manager choice later on in my team, this is me the easiest choice. Danny Ward has simply been atrocious this year. And I think that you look at Leicester's their decline from being a team that's finished fifth twice, eighth, won an FA Cup to go in from this. I think the, a big part of it is, is getting rid of Casper Schmeichel and having someone like Danny Ward. Because, I mean, you know, I've liked Danny Ward because he's Welsh, but let's be honest, he's not a Premier League standard goalkeeper. Um, and I don't think he's proved really any point that he can be a Premier League goalkeeper. I think he had his moment in the sun, you know, in the, in the, in the Championship playoffs for Huddersfield. But... Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest catalysts of, of Leicester's downfall is the, the defence and the goalkeeper. We'll have more on that later on. But um, yeah, the, just he and he's been terrible. There have been so many games where he, he'll be the guy at fault for, for goals they concede. And it, it it's, yeah, it's really is his poor, poor performances is a big part in Leicester going down. That's really leaving no option to put him in, then, then to put him in the team. Um but we are going to move on to right back. Um, so back with Ryan. Yes, indeed. So I've gone for another fairly high-profile player, and that is Juan Cuadrado of Juventus. Really, quite simply, he's just shown his age this season and has looked poor for you, for Juve. I mean, there's been a few players in that team who have had bad seasons as well, but... Particularly him, he looked very uh, laboured, looked like he hasn't retained any of the pace that he used to have. And yeah, I would be very surprised if Juve were to have him anywhere near the start on 11 for next season. Now I'm going to try and find this, um, the old team. I've got a feeling Cadrado's been involved in before, whether it's the worst or best team. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's I think yeah. it was best. Best with it. I think he was, to be fair, the last season and the best one because he did have a good season in terms of assists and goals as well. But, yeah. I'm so. sure he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Well, that just shows his downfall, doesn't it? Um, Going from... Because, you know, Emery Chan you know, has gone from one end to the other before in our teams of the season. But, um, yeah, for him to go from best from best team to worst team, it's not... Not a good sign for how season goes, and that just obviously emphasises your point as to why he's in your worst uh, team of the season. Um, centre-back, over to you, Ryan. Over to you, Naeem, sorry, for your La Liga. Centre-back here. Sorry, right-back. Right back. Oh, sorry, right-back. Yes, so my one is Luis Felipe from Real Betis. Came in the summer from Lazio last season, and, yeah, he didn't have the greatest debut season. He actually got sent off three times last season so yeah anyone with a disciplinary record like that in a debut season yeah you're, you're going to be in my worst team of the season so I've gone for Luis Felipe at my right back Okay now my right back is one of the players in this list who actually didn't play a lot of games um, but at some point I have to get a Liverpool player in this team because it does represent how bad of our season it was for a lot of time you know, to go from being two games off the quadruple to being fifth place and follow up the season in eighth and ninth or lower. Um, but you know, the obvious one is Van Dijk, people will look at, but I did think about him as centre back, but there were there were two players that were far worse for me than him this season. I I'll mention them in, in a bit. But my right back is Joe Gomez. Um, you know, looking at his stats, I mean the only 
He played 21 games, um, didn't start an awful lot, but when he did play, he was terrible. I, I can't really name you a single game, apart from maybe the Man City game, when he won at Anfield, where he was good. Um, I just think that he's a guy that starts off his career so well. You know, He's a guy, he's, he's played pretty He's played centre-back, right-back and left-back in his Liverpool career. He's been very versatile. Um, but for me, he's been pretty bad for the last, I'd say, the last two and a half to three years. Pretty much since COVID happened, he's not been the same. Well, basically since that injury he suffered in the 18-19 season, he's never really been the same since. So, you know, from all accounts, he's a very nice guy off the field, but I can't ignore how bad he's been um, on the field. So, yeah, for me... My right back is Joe Gomez. Um, now, back to centre-backs. We are going to do the same thing as our best team this season, episode where we are going to give both our centre-backs at the same time. So we're going to go to you, Ryan, again, for your two Serie A centre-backs. So the first one is Dimitrios in Kulu of Spezia. Nine yellow cards, one red card, a pass percentage of 82%, which is quite frankly awful, in 36 appearances this season. Spezia team that Ended up going down. So, quite an easy choice, really, there. And his partner is Maras Kambula of Roma. Quite frankly, has been terrible for Roma this season. To be fair, he only started five games. Most of them, the rest of his appearances, obviously, are substitutes. But in those, he got one red card and was a liability in the other games. So, two easy decisions. Okay. Um, over to you, Nine, for your two centre-backs. Yeah, so my two centre-backs are... So the first one is part of a relegated team of Espanyol. They obviously conceded the highest amount of goals this season, obviously 69 in the league. And yes, the first one is Leandro Cabrera of Espanyol. Earlier on in the season, even when they played Sevilla at home, he was getting booed by his own fans. So you've got to be quite crappy if your own fans are booing you. So I've gone for him. Second one... Be unfair to put him in because obviously he got brought in because half of their defense uh, left in the summer. The two centre back pairings. My so my other centre back will be Tangai Nianzu of Sevilla. So obviously they lost Jules Kunde and Diego Carlos last season. They were obviously the mainstay in their defense, and you know Sevilla they don't really score many goals, but they don't let many in. But yeah, obviously he contributed to their lowest league position in years and. Only by winning the Europa League, they are going to be playing in Europe next season. So, Leandro Cabrera of Espanyol and Tangai Nianzu of Sevilla. Okay. So, now moving on to my two centre-backs. Um, now, I mentioned before that um, about Danny Ward being in goal and a big part of that being you know the release of Casper Schmeichel and him coming in. So, I've gone for another Leicester player in defence. Um, Vout Face, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, of Leicester. Um, simply awful. Now, you can look alone just at those two own goals he scored at Anfield, but apart from that, again, like Danny Ward, a lot of Leicester's games where they, they do bad, it's it's his fault. And it, it's it really is, um, you know, it, it's a shame because Leicester, you know, they were a club that were doing so well. They established themselves as a regular Premier League side and they just really just absolutely blown it in just one season. And the recruitment this summer has been awful. And, and Feist has been one of these players to come in and he has not done anything I can think of that actually has been good. So for me, Vout Face has to go in at some point. And my other centre-back, I mean, definitely contender for one of the worst signings this season, 
I've gone for Kaladu Kudabali of Chelsea. Came in for a big reputation. Seen as one of the signings of the summer. I think even I may put him in my top 10 signings of the season episode. Can't remember now. Um, but he's been awful. He has been dreadful. He looks like Bambi on ice. He looks like he's running through mud at times. Mistake after mistake. All, all the, he took over the 26 shirt, the first player to do it since John Terry left. And for me, the best centre-back of all time in the Premier League. And he's not been anywhere near close to being what John Terry did. So for me, he has been awful. And he asked why he is my other centre-back and why these two are keeping out Van Dijk in my worst team of the season. Um, now, over to the left-back. Um, I'm going to go back to you, Ryan, for your Syria left-back. So, it was a, a difficult decision again because for... For the left backs, there's not been really too many this season that have had dire seasons. Um, it did take a little bit of a a look through and whatnot. I went with Robin Gosens of Inter just because, again, he was displaced from the team. He had a good season last year with Inter, but this season he's been sort of replaced by DeMarco. And just hasn't looked good enough when he has played, quite frankly. That's as much as I can say. Yeah, I mean, a guy I've seen literally in the last few hours on, on Twitter that he's been linked with a move to um, Union Berlin, which will um, which will please Jonathan, if he's listening to this episode. Um, now, for you, Naeem, for your left-back. Yeah, so my left-back, he, well, he struggled with injuries this season. You know, he's pretty much come in as a replacement for another player that left not too long ago. But, yeah, injuries has dampened his uh, performances. Um, he's even gone down the pecking order as the left-back for this team. So, yeah, I've gone for Ferland Mendy as my left-back. Even Kamavinga has started quite a few games there at near the end of last season. So, yeah, Real Madrid might look to get another left-back in or maybe to convert another player there if, if needs be. But... Yeah, I'm gonna go for Ferland Mendy. Um, came in with high, high reputation, and yeah, he hasn't really been at the best this season. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I mean, for me, you mentioned not living up to expectation. My left back fits that bill massively. Now I mentioned Kudabali coming in to Chelsea for a massive um, reputation and not doing well. The left back is also from Chelsea. It's Marco Cucurella, um, or maybe Mark, as, as you say it, but. He has been nowhere near what they pay £60 million for. I remember, you know, I remember when I worked at Brighton last year, when he beat Man U 4 0, he was one of the stars of the show. A lot of talking points around him. He was one of the biggest people, uh, mentioned names in the press conference after the game when, you know, you're speaking to the likes of Graham Potter after the game. And he's made his move to Chelsea and he has been dreadful. I, again, like. You know, like face, I can't think of one thing he's done. I mean, only got two two assists, no goals. He got one goal and two assists last season. I mean, not much different in stats. Why, if you look at on that on the face of it that way, but everything else, he's been dreadful. And the Chelsea fans have already you know, this 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 um already sort of voiced their dismay with how he's performed, and he has been simply awful. And for me, you know, there were some left backs you could think of, but if I'm honest, there's not many. Left backs I can think of that actually were that bad, you know. So I think for me, it's a standout one for me, Cucurella, as my left back. Um, right, we're going to quickly now interrupt this podcast and get a chat with Jonathan as he gives us his worst Bundesliga 
theme of the season. So we are here in the break to go through our other league, which we haven't done as part of the main episode. Due to unavailability, Jonathan couldn't make the actual episode, so he's here to talk to me about his worst Bundesliga team of the season. First of all, Jonathan, how are you? I'm very well. Um, a bit sad that the Bundesliga season is over, but at the same time, it's a nice little break, and um, I'm already looking forward to, to August already. Yeah, I mean, the time of recording is Thursday, the June 15th, so today we had the Premier League fixtures announced, and it just feels like such a quick turnaround from when the season's ended. I mean, looking at the La Liga ones are out um, next next week as well, so the last season has literally just finished. Not so, yeah, no, it's, um, it's going to be come around quickly as, as it normally does and I'm hoping this year it won't be quite as, as drag as it was this year uh, of course news came out today as well uh, that Jude Bellingham has made the move official from the Bundesliga to La Liga joining Real Madrid from uh, Borussia Dortmund um, just before we go on to worst team of the year Jonathan um, thoughts on that and how big of a miss do you think he'll be to this Dortmund side I think it's a big loss for the Bundesliga as well to have a player that young. I felt like he could have at least stayed for one more year at, at Dortmund and hopefully gotten them over over the line for that title. But at the same time, Dortmund overworked Bellingham so much um, these last couple of years, every single minute of every single game, they couldn't take him off the pitch. And at 19 years old, I feel like Real Madrid is the perfect fit. He can learn behind Cruz and Modric and he can actually take some time off. He doesn't have to play every single minute. He isn't the player they look for in every single situation to come up with something, create a chance. So I think it's a it's a win, obviously, for his bank account and as well for his for his body. Um, I just felt like um, he couldn't keep up this this pace at Dortmund, and I think this move to Real Madrid will prove um, very important for the longevity of his career. Yeah, I agree. And I think whilst on one side, I do think that he will start straight away. I think he'll come in and be the immediate starter for him. I think he'll be ahead of Tuchemeni in the pecking order. I think now he'll be ahead of the likes of definitely Cruz, maybe even Modric in the pecking order. But I think you're right. I think you can rotate. So there won't be... A, as you say, a requirement to play in every game in Madrid. You can afford to one week play Modric, Bellingham, Valverde, and then next week play Tushemeni, you know, Cruz and someone else. And Camavinga maybe will put him left back. But overall, I think that it's a thing where you can't turn down Madrid. I mean, you know, it's for me the biggest club in the world. Um, and it's a kind of thing where the amount of history you've got there and, you know, he seems like a guy who's very switched on. And I think he talked about, I think today in his press conference, how watching Madrid beat Liverpool almost swayed, turned his head to go to Madrid over Liverpool, which you know, breaks my heart because we, we could have could have won that game as well. But I think, you know, he he's, I think he is going for the stature of the club because he could have gone to Man City, could have gone home. But he's mentioned today that he wants to be out of his comfort zone. Of course, he'll be in a new country, learning a new language. And I think that, I think he'll really, I, I think it's a really good move for him. And I, you know, I'm glad he went to them over Matisse because I think it would have really paid me to see him go to another club in England um, after all the talk we had. But overall, yeah, you can't really can't fault it. Madrid come calling. You're not really going to say no. He's not from Liverpool. He's not from Manchester. So you can't really blame him. Um, right. Heading on to the worst teams of the season. Um, Jonathan's gone for 4-3-3 formation. So like ourselves, he's gone for a similar formation, which will make it easier 
in the Twitter polls because that was a pain when we had four four two, four three three, and four three three one. So yeah, um, obviously we will find out in a week's time who is the worst team. But Jonathan, for you, who is your goalkeeper in your worst team this season? My goalkeeper is Schalke's Alexander Schwalo. Um, just a terrible season, really. He was on Freiburg, was a really good goalkeeper on Freiburg a few years ago. Then he moved to Hertha Berlin. Um, really poor season last year. And then finally came to Schalke on loan. And you felt like, okay, this is a chance for him to rejuvenate his career. Um, and just fell apart. He looked like he had lost all confidence in goal. Um, was a replaced midway through the season for uh, Ralph Farman. And yeah, he's, you know, if, if you're getting replaced in goal at Schalke, a team who, you know, let's just say don't have a lot of options at the moment and have gone down to the fight to Bundesliga, um, something has gone very wrong. And it's unfortunate to see a, a player who is so, you know, seen as potential future for a major Bundesliga side. And um, it looks like his career has, has completely fallen apart. Interesting, and of course, another season of relegation for Schalke, um, club that for so long has been a staple in the Bundesliga, Champions League appearances, I think maybe even the Champions League semi-final in the early 2010s, I think they lost to Man U in the semi-final, but it's, um, it's a shame to see the way the club's gone. Um, so, into a back four, who's at right back? Right back, I'm going to go with Dortmund's Thomas Mounier. Um, looks like he's going to leave the club this summer, but was injured for a lot of the year. And even when he got some minutes, especially early in the season here and there, um, he was never the favorite at right back. Marius Wolf um, and Nicholas Sule even played a little bit out there. But um, this was a player who was linked with a move to Barcelona last summer. And Xavi seemed to really want him. Um, and it's, I think, a second consecutive poor season for Mounier, the Belgian international and um yeah he just didn't get much time on the pitch and when he did you saw exactly why he you know didn't play a whole lot this season yeah it's a strange one because he was a guy that was talked up for so long I saw Arsenal were linked with him a lot of times you know part of that Belgian in the very common golden generation you know part of this team and player was a lot of um a lot of hype. I mean, Dortmund's a big club. He seems to have failed there. So I don't know where he will go next. But it's it's um yeah, it's really surprising to see that he has fallen so so low in um in his stock in football. Um, now over to your centre back partnership. I've gone for Wolfsburg Maxence Lacroix. I definitely mispronounced that. <laughs> um, and. Freiburg's Manuel Gouda. I'll start with um, Wolfsburg's Lacroix. Lacroix. Um, yeah, he. You know, he, the last few seasons at Wolfsburg, he's he's actually looked really good. He was linked with a move to the Premier League to a lot of other big clubs in Europe. And this year, he sort of fell behind in the pecking order to Mickey Van de Ven, who's now, you know, looks like there's a good chance he's he's going to Liverpool this summer. So he lost his place in the starting lineup. And I think the whole Wolfsburg defense this season wasn't very good. Kern Castile's in goal saved them on multiple occasions. Um, and he just didn't look like the player he used to be. Manuel Gulda is sort of known as the center back in Freiburg that um, people joke about and people want him out of the club. 
Um, he came sometimes into the starting lineup for Philip Leinhardt, who had a few injury concerns this year, and he made several, several major mistakes that led to goals. I, I'm pretty sure I remember um, him getting sent off at one point. I think that might have been in the Europa League. Um, but yeah, just, just it's unfortunate he's sort of become sort of the laughing stock at Freiburg, um, and he'll likely leave this summer. Okay, and then who is at left back? Left back, I'm going to go with David Raum. Um, on Leipzig, big move from Hoffenheim last summer for 30, 35 million odd euros. Um, was sort of seen, still somewhat seen as the future uh, for Germany at left back. And, you know, they don't exactly have any other options to choose from, but was hardly in the starting lineup, especially in the second half of the season, was chosen, um, you know, behind options such as Benjamin Heinrichs, who's more of a right back per se, as well as Marcel Haustenberg, who might move to the second division this season. So, you know, a player that so many different clubs wanted last summer, um, and he seemed to lost all confidence from an amazing Hoffenheim season last year. Okay, and now on to your midfield three. I'll let you do, you know, all three at the same time. So I'll let you um, let you carry on. Yeah, I couldn't think of many midfielders, so I've sort of. Um, put you know an attacker in the midfield, put a right back, sort of pushed him up the pitch, but we'll, we'll work with it. I'm first going to go with on the left of my midfield three is Jonathan Burkhart from Mainz. Um, this one was more just due to injuries. He pretty much missed the entire season, was one of, if not Mainz's best player um, in 2021-2022. Um, this season, he was supposed to come back in the second half of the season, and they said, oh, he needed another surgery. It was just sort of a sad year, um, and especially with this good second half of the season that Mainz had, it was sort of unfortunate he couldn't come and, and even help their push for Europe. Then I've gone in the middle for Bayern's Leon Goretzka. Um, he just he didn't look like the player he once was at Bayern, and now he's linked with a potential move out of the club for one of the midfield players they bring in. Um, it, it seems like as Joshua Kimmich wants to move further up to pitch to help create chances on the offensive end, Goretzka sort of fallen off and lost his place per se because he's not exactly a number six. He likes to push forward as well, and Kimmich wants that freedom. And when Goretzka's on the pitch, he doesn't exactly provide Kimmich with that freedom. So um i expect that he won't be a starting player at Bayern next season if he does stay he'll have to work to get back into the starting 11 and then on the right i've gone for bochum's christian gamboa sort of used as mostly a right back and play further up the pitch as well but bochum had a major problem at right back all season long um, and christian gamboa had a really poor season was constantly dropped um just after halftime for his efforts and and yeah, they're going to have to solve that position um, in the summer on that right-hand side of their defense and midfield. Now, Gamboa, that name rings a bell. I can't think whether I know him from a World Cup um, appearance, whether I know him from FIFA. Was he being in the Premier League? I, I can't think where I've known that name from. Um, who's he played for before? He is an older player. Let me see. I want to say he's in his 30s. Um, yeah, he's 33. Ah, uh, West Brom. Uh, it looks like he was on West West Brom, yeah. Celtic yeah. as well. Interesting. Yeah, I remember having a back in the day a FIFA career mode on a FIFA either fifteen or fourteen 
Um, I did get sacked in the end from West Brom, but I remember he was my he was my go to right back, and I, I don't know whether he lasted there long, but um, yeah, that name did strike me. I'm thinking I've heard that somewhere, but um, yeah, fair play. Um, right onto your final uh, front three and role, your manager. So, who is right wing for you? Right wing is going to be Bayern's Leroy Sané. Uh, played a lot this season. Still started even when Tuchel came in on quite a few occasions. But he as well was a bit laughed at by Bayern fans. They A lot of them want him out of the club. He missed so many chances in front of goal this season. You know, I would just see him go clear of the defense one-on-one with the keeper and just completely mess things up. Um not his best season. He seems to lost a bit of confidence in front of goal. We'll see if he's given the opportunity next season or whether Bayern sell him off this summer. Um, and then through the middle, I've gone with Schalke Simon Taroda. Many Bundesliga fans will know him as the Schweiter Bundesliga King, the second division um, top goal scorer. He's unbelievable in the second tier. And then again, as he comes up to the first division with a club, he seems to never be able to score any goals, which happened again this season. And then he was saying that he's going to leave Schalke at the end of the season. And then when they confirmed the relegation, he decided at the last second, oh, you know what? I'm actually going to sign a one-year deal. Uh, people f- believe that because they got relegated. So Taroda gets to go back to the second division and start scoring goals again. Um, so that's why he chose to sh- stay at Schalke for one more season. Finally, on the left, I've gone with Sadio Mane. Obviously, the big Bundesliga deal of the last summer came in with so much hype. Yes, he had a major injury spell this season, but even when he was healthy, you know, he lost his starting spot. And when he came on the pitch, struggled for goals, looked out of place. Um, and that Bayern team, you know, there's so many attacking options. I know it's difficult, but Mane should be an is a world class class player. And he should be ahead of, you know, someone like Serge Gnabry who didn't have the best season himself yet. Mane fell behind him in the, in the pecking order and, and struggled and it was sort of a sad to see because you know it seems like Mane is a really good human good person and someone you want to root for um, and it's unfortunate this move to Bayern hasn't worked out at least so far yeah it's interesting <laughs> you put um first of all the three Bayern playing in a in the worst team which is, says how much they really um almost blew it really in fact you got Goretzka, Sane and Mane but of course it seems fitting that you got the worst team this season and you got the worst chemistry of the season in Mane and Sane in the same team. So it'd be interesting <laughs> if that was a if that was a team in real life. Um, it's interesting how how that would do. But um, Sane is an interesting one because I understand why he left, and I no one at the time thought it was a bad decision to leave because he wasn't getting the football he wanted. But considering how his considering how his career's gone out by him, um, do you think a part of him would have watched that Champions League final win and thought? Some part of him regretted leaving, um, leaving, leaving City to go to Bayern. Mm, maybe a little bit. He definitely was pushed out of City, and he didn't have a future there. So, um, I think whether it was that summer at City, it would have been the next one, just because you know rumors, reports stating that Pep wanted him to leave. Um, he did want to go back to Germany, his, his home country. But but yeah, I mean, it hasn't really worked out at Bayern. He's you know, suffered a little bit of verbal abuse by some of the Bayern fans over these last couple of seasons. Um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, he's sort of an awkward player because 
you don't really know what position to play, whether that's right wing, whether that's left wing. He can't really play up through the middle. You want to drop him back into midfield to create some chances um, for some more, you know, players up the pitch. But um, yeah, it just it just feels like an awkward player that doesn't have a set position that you can't consistently rely upon. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I find where he's not. I don't think personally kind of guy. I think through balls wise, if he's if he's receiving the ball after a through ball or along or cross, I think he's great on one on ones in that sense. But I think when, when I watched him at City and at Bayern, he, I don't think he's unless I'm completely mis, mis- watching it or misreading the room. But I don't think he's the best at sort of taking someone on one by one with the ball at his feet. I think he. He's someone who, who loves, I think we've seen him score goals time after time for City where he was getting on the end of, of great balls and De Bruyne and sort of breezing past defenders. But I don't think he's good enough to track back and help out in that sense. And as you say, I don't think he can go up front. So it's, it's a weird situation. I don't really know how best he resolves that. But um, I, I think there'll be a move eventually. And, I, you know, I think, you know, he probably could still get a job, a job, a, a move to a, to a big club because you know he's got the name, he's got the trophies under his belt, he's got you know, had a good time at City before, before the end really. But, but I think that he could still get a move that way to maybe, I would say Barcelona. But of course they've got their own money problems. But I think you, you look at even like someone who's like a Newcastle for example, or like someone like that who's trying to either keep they're just trying to get into top four or they're in the top four trying to keep their place or that I think that's a club he'll do better at because I think that he yeah I, I don't know whether Tuchel will be strong at Bayern um, Tuchel's come in and don't think it's changed his position in the pecking order either so yeah it, it's interesting to see how he'll do um, but finally to your manager Jonathan manager I'm going to go with Schalke's Frank Kramer um, after 10 games or so, he was fired from there. Just a terrible appointment. Um, used to be on Bielefeld, and they got relegated the season he was in charge. Just no offensive football. Um, and yeah, that appointment cost Schalke another Bundesliga season. Okay, that is your team complete. Um, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce half these names because I didn't want to, I wouldn't want to offend anyone. Um, <laughs> with that uh but yeah that is the end of our bundesliga team worst team of the season of course we will once again um put these out on the polls and hopefully this time there'll be more than one player from the bundesliga in our combined twitter team Um, but otherwise um that has been the end of this part so thank you jonathan for coming on once again thank you for having me no problem at all and we will see you guys for the rest of the episode So that was my chat with Jonathan and you'll be able to see his um, picks in our Twitter polls coming out later on after this episode is released. Um, now moving on to our midfield, we've all got the same formation, 4-3-3. So we're going to give each of our three midfielders at the same time. So back to you, Ryan, for your three Serie A worst midfielders of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this, I think, because there's, there's two players in here that used to play for Tottenham, which is very nice, very satisfying to be able to put them in. Um, one is Tangi Ndombele, part of a title-winning team this season, and yet he made 30 appearances in total, albeit he only started eight of them. But he contributed one goal, no assists, 
five yellow cards, pass percentage under 90%. He won 0.2 of his aerial duels and had a very, very, very low average rating throughout the entire stats. So basically contributed nothing this season to Napoli's title success and was just awful, quite frankly. Um, another one is, this one is we didn't play for Tottenham, but he was equally as bad. Leandro Paredes of Juventus. Obviously, they got him on loan from PSG and he did next to nothing. He was poor for Juve. Again, showed, I think, his age a little bit. Just offered nothing, really. It was a, it was a pretty poor sign for them. He made, I think, a roughly around 26 league appearances. One goal, no assists, seven bookings, one red card. Again, really, really low rating, just did nothing. And the last one is Harry Winks of <laughs> Sampdoria. Um, obviously, Sampdoria, they went down. They were the worst team this season. He made 20 appearances in total. No goals, no assists, two yellow cards. Just bad. Really, really bad. So, yeah. A really poor midfield. I mean, I mean, on paper, you know, if you told me that midfield maybe three or four years ago, you'd have said, oh, that's a pretty good midfield. But it just shows really how three of their careers have gone, really. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because Endombele cost Tottenham, what, I think it was about 67 million? Something. Yeah, something around, like that. In the 60s, yeah. Yeah, around that mark. Massive transfer fee. Do you ever hear it get mentioned? No. <laughs> That's a good point to be fair. It is a good point. Of them. Um, nine back to you for your midfield. Yeah, so my midfield three. The first player is Carlos Alino of Getafe. Second season at the club. Uh, pretty much played most of the games this season. Failed to deceive. Uh, they as if the team finished two points off relegation. Lost the season before that was one one point. So. Yeah, they might, they're looking like their time in the league is going to be up. And he only contributed to two goals and two assists. Second one is a player from another team that finished low down in the table this season. Lowest league finished since 1985-1986. He actually came on loan uh, halfway through last season. I'm sorry, the season before. Was he last season done? He came in quite well, though. Had a good little six-month loan deal. Then he came back again for season-long loan and... Yeah, he once was highly rated and, yeah, he's failed to impress this season. So I've gone for Mariba um, for Valencia, who's obviously on loan from RB Leipzig. So doesn't look like they'll be getting him on loan again next season. And then the last one is a player who actually had his contract terminated and it has since been a free agent since December. Um, it was all right as previous club, but obviously went, fell down the pecking order. He only managed 12 below average performances this season for Sevilla. And that is Isco. So, yeah, he still currently is a free agent. And, yeah, he makes up three men in my midfield. Yeah, Isco for me, it's, it's a weird one. I don't think I've heard anything he's done in the last five, six years. Yeah, he's um, just... He's just came, came, well, he came in quite highly rated. And then, yeah, uh, he's, he's played quite a bit for Real Madrid. But, yeah, as the season's gone on, They've gone falsely younger players. Obviously, they've got Bellingham in now. So, yeah, it looks like he probably... You might see him at maybe a, a lower 
bottom half team in La Liga or I don't know, he might go and get get some of that Saudi money, but yeah, he's he's not exactly old, but yeah, he's just he's just fallen out of favour of Real Madrid and yeah, now he's a free agent. So yeah, you might see him in Saudi Arabia sometime soon. We'll not be surprised one bit. <laughs> um you mentioned highly rated. Uh, my first midfielder is a player that came into a season to a new team. Very highly rated, and I do still believe this guy can become, you know, a good player for this team. You know, a lot of players struggle in their first year in this team. Um, and this player actually didn't start many games. So um, the player I've gone for is Calvin Phillips from Man City. Um, so in total, he Champions League, he was in the squad nine times, started zero times, was subbed three times, was on the bench six times, injured for four games and suspended for none, thankfully. And in the Premier League, he didn't get a first start until they already won the league. That was against Chelsea. Uh, other than that, his minutes include I mean, a lot of games out with injury. One minute against West Ham, four minutes against Chelsea, 13 minutes, three minutes, 35 minutes, nine minutes, 37 minutes. Now he's got you know, a treble and he's a, he's a classic example of why you don't always use trophies as an example to compare players. Um, and I think that, you know, whilst, you know, for me, he's behind the... Um, best DM in the world, in my opinion, right now in Rodri. But to even get a start somewhere in the season in the, season in the league before, you know, mid-May, I think shows maybe just how much he struggled. You know, £42 million he came in for. You think he would, in training, I, this must be why he's not playing. He must be, you know, Pep mentioned his weight. He must not be doing it in training because to only get two 90-minute games the whole season and they come, you know, the third to last game in the last game of the season... Um, when you're resting all your players in the last game, or both games, actually, um, it shows how much he struggled. But, you know, Roger struggled in his first year. Guida struggled. You know, a lot of players do struggle in Pep's first season. So, you know, I think there's still a chance for him. I think that whilst I don't think he'll ever displace Rodri, whilst Rodri's way he's playing right now, I think certainly with Gundogan leaving, uh, Bernardo Silva potentially leaving as well, I think there's a place for him to potentially do something, or at least make more than just two starts in the league next season. Uh, my second one is a player that uh, went for free rather than for money, but you know went into a new team. He's meant to rejuvenate himself. Hasn't done that. Jesse Lingard, um, you know, a guy that performed so well known at West Ham, and you know turned down turned him down actually um, in the summer, which I think was crazy. But, you know, looking back at his season where he you know where he excelled 2020-2021 season, of course, nine goals and five assists in the league. Fast forward two years to the current season just gone and he's had no goals and no assists in 17 league games and just two goals and two assists in other competitions. Um, to be fair, actually, you know, three, three games, two goals and two assists is actually quite a good record for the EFL Cup. But looking at the teams he played in the EFL Cup, uh, it was Grimsby Town, Blackburn, Wolves, Tottenham and Man U. So not exactly, apart from a couple of them, a great selection, but... Yeah, for me, Lingard's a shame because, you know, I've seen him on Dive of CEO podcast. You know, personality-wise, he, you know, he's gone not, gone through a lot and I do like his personality more than I used to. But at the same time, in terms of on the field, he has not been, you know, a one-year deal. You know, everyone thought it'd be his chance to, you know, get back to his West Ham days. And, you know, we look, we're looking at that West Ham team right now thinking... Why didn't I, you know, say yes to you guys after they won the Conference League? So Lingard is my second uh, choice, and my third one is the one I'm looking forward to the least because this is a player I still love, even though he left us in quite, you know, some will say quite a bad way. Philippe Coutinho of Aston Villa, 
who joined them last season on loan, uh, had a great loan spell. Um, so in total, in 2021-2022, he had seven goals and three assists in... So, you know, five goals and three assists in 19 league games and seven goals and three assists in all, in all competitions, including La Liga and Champions League. You know, had a great spell at Aston Villa for six months on loan. As a result, they bought him £18 million. That was seen as a massive, you know, steal. People were amazed how he managed to, um, how Villa managed to get a deal so good from Barcelona. But this season, in 20 games, one goal, zero assists. Um, for me, this is not what you would expect with someone with his name, first of all, but also just someone who, you know, is basically someone you, you buy after a good loan spell and you expect him to perform the same, but you know, it didn't happen. The only goal came against Arsenal um, in, that, in that 4-2 loss. Um, but for me, yeah, he's not been anywhere near play that they had, they had last year. And I think now he's 31. I do question whether he's got much left in the tank. And I think we're going back to the Saudi Arabia League again. I can see him going there. I think he's the kind of player that would would hands down go there. Um, you know, South American player. I think he would um, definitely get go there with the chance if, if he had the chance given to him. Um, moving on to our front threes. Now we go from right wing, right wing first. So Ryan, over to you for your right wing. Okay, so technically it's not a right wing. I've put a right forward, but it's the same kind of thing. This is maybe a decision choice that you may not be a fan of, Andy, because it's played uh, that pretty well for you, but it is Divock Origi of AC Milan. Two goals this season, not good enough. I know they got him for nothing, but quite frankly, he's been poor all season for Milan, has offered little to nothing up top and just offered no creativity, no goals apart from them two. No real assists, just nothing really. So yeah, poor signing. It's a shame this is because he's a player that I, you know, whilst everyone knew that he wasn't a great player, but he had these moments. You know, you look at um, obviously the Barcelona game, the um, Champions League final as well. I mean, you can go further back. He was part of the team that you know came back in Dortmund and he scored one of the goals that helped us come back. So he's been a player that. Always called the big goals for us, and you know he's a player that I think Liverpool fans could have done with last year at some point. Um, but what I do find sad is that he left Liverpool to get a football, and he's not had that. Um, and I think that's a shame for him because he's missed a chance of you know really if he'd gone to Timo, he's starting every week, he probably wouldn't even be on this list. So yeah, it's a shame, but I can't really can't really argue with it. It's um, he has been poor. Not had the stats that you know all the goals or assists that you that you're used to. Um, uh, Ryan, not Ryan, Naeem, over to you for your um right wing. Yeah, so my right winger, he's he was he had a loan spell, season long loan this season at this team. The team, his parent club, actually finished in the top four this season. But yeah, he came up to the team right wing. You know, it's a team that does struggle in the league. He started 17 games, featured in 34. Uh, he only registered three assists and no goals. So these are sort of stats you'd see from maybe like a defensive midfielder or something like that. But you know, being a main right winger for the majority of the season and not even scoring one goal and just contributing to three assists, he's definitely going to go play my team. So yeah, it is Porto, Porto who is on loan from Real Sociedad, who obviously, like I said, finished in those Champions League places this season. 
Okay. Now, for me, this one I'll be looking forward to the most. Now, you can probably see where this is going. Um, not a traditional striker, um, but he can play right wing. I've gone for the one and only Ricardson. You know, <laughs> it's, you all thought it was coming. For me, the worst signing of the season. And if you're picking a captain based on who's been the worst, I think he's, for me, is my pick out of all of them. You know, a player that I, you know, I actually was was um, giving praise to start of the year for actually saying how that he was quite, I thought how good of a player he was, but he's not been good. He's had yellow cards, um, I think three yellow cards this season for, um, He's had four yellow cards this season for taking off shirts after goals. Only one of those times have actually been a goal being allowed. Um, it's 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 lovely to see. I'm not gonna lie, and I, I don't care if he's listening. He is a prick, and I, I'm so glad to see his downfall. Um, and I there's not many players I love seeing more. There's no player I like seeing more of a downfall of, with the exception of El Hadjif back in the day, than Ricardson. So um, lovely, love putting him in his team, and he sits nicely in his front three. Um, now we're going to the left wing before we go to striker. Um, so Ryan, who's on the left wing for you? Another player for AC Milan this season, someone who came in with very high expectations. They spent a fair bit of money on him, I think around 30 to 35 million euros, and he did not deliver at all. That is Charles de Ketelaire. Not again, he, he played more centrally, but for this instance, he's played left forward. But he did operate in that kind of area. But again, he offered little to nothing for Milan this season. No goals whatsoever. Was very nervous on the ball. You could see he, he, he's not up to scratch yet with football at that level. And it'll be interesting to see what Milan do with him next season, whether they send him out on loan, whether they give him another opportunity to prove himself in the first team. I don't know. But yeah. For sure, last season he was one of the worst attacking players. Okay, and then for you, Naeem, who is your left wing? Yeah, so my my team, sorry, my player is from a team that won the league this season, but started off the season playing quite a few day games, but he has been replaced on that left wing. Um, so yeah, I've gone for Ferran Torres. You know, highly rated when he was um, playing for Valencia. I went to Man City, done relatively all right there, but. You know, told Pep he wanted to leave. And, you know, with Pep, if you say you want to leave, he, you know, won't have no problem with it. So he's gone back to Barcelona. He he did do quite well when he came in halfway through last season. But, yeah, this season, you know, like I said, he's lost his place in the starting eleven, And, yeah, he's, um, it's not been that great. I think he's only scored four goals and two assists in the league. So he has contributed a little bit, but, yeah, he's not... From from where he was at Valencia to his now, yeah, he's kind of just like fizzled out, and yeah, they did spend quite a lot bit of money on him Barcelona, and yeah, he's not really lived up to the price tag at the moment. So yeah, I've gone for him on my left wing. Okay, um, now for me, I want to mention honorable mention before I do give my left wing choice. Um, you know, people like Maxwell Corney, Shea Adams, um, looking further back in the team, deeper like Mason Mount could be involved in this. Um, I know Anthony's one as well I was thinking about and the only reason I've not put him in is because of how bad Carlson was um, and my left wing is someone that you know I have mentioned earlier on in this episode um, someone that I do feel you know a bit harsh putting in because he hasn't had the game time but for the money they spent on him and you know have uh, in total 15 Premier League games no goals two assists you know and such a high rotation I've gone for Mercalo Mudrick now 
I think he, for me, is the poster boy for Todd's Bo Todd Bowley's bad reign because it's an eight-year deal he's got and he's not performed anyway. Um, you know, whilst you know, looking at his particular game time for Premier League, you know, thirty-five minutes, forty-five minutes, ninety minutes, just once, I believe. Um, you know, a couple of you know twenty-two and fifteen-minute appearances. You know, he's not been able to scratch, and you know, with the exception of that cameo against Liverpool for that one. Brief moment he had. I don't think he's had anything really that I can think of that you know actually got anyone excited. And I think that whilst the talent's there, you know, we've seen it in you know, in, in his previous clubs, and but I just don't think he's quite done it yet. And I think that Anthony, the only reason he's not this team is that he scored four goals, and Madrid hasn't scored a single goal. So yeah, that's why Madrid is my left winger. Um, but the final position before we go on to our managers in this team is um our striker. So back to you, Ryan, for your Serie A striker. Yes, I mean, there were, once again, many options for this place in the team. Duvan Zapata of Atalanta could very well have been one of them. Played a lot this year for Atalanta with very little return. Two goals in 25 games, which is not like him. Usually very reliable. Then there was Dusan Vlahovic, obviously signed with big money for Juve. But again, didn't deliver the season. But I think injuries definitely hampered his campaign and particularly Juve's form. In the end, I chose to go with Andrea Bellotti, who moved to Roma on a free transfer at the start of the season from Torino after being at Torino for such a long time. He was a cult hero there. But made the move and did not score a single goal this season for Roma in the league. Made 31 appearances in total, started 11, 20 off the bench, no goals, two assists, not good enough at all. Um, really, really poor. Missed, I think, a couple of penalties as well. Just nowhere near the standard necessary for when Tammy Abraham wasn't fit. So, easy decision. Okay, and then for you, Ryan, so for you, Naeem, I should say, um, who yeah. is your striker? Yeah, so honourable mention is Raul de Thomas. Um, previous season he was playing at Espanyol. Uh, he's actually signed for Real Vallecano now. But yeah, last season he had twenty goal involvements. Um, obviously compared to this season where he's only found a net four times. So yeah, big drop off there this season. But the main one's got to be someone that everyone knows. You know, had a successful periods in Italy, France, and I'd say England as well when he was there. But yeah, I don't know whether it's his age now. Maybe he should look to maybe go to back to his home country or maybe America, maybe Saudi Arabia, since you know they're signing anyone and everyone. But yeah, after making 24 appearances, he's only scored five goals. So yeah, I'm going to go with Edison Cavani. You know, I thought coming to Spain, you know, he'd, he'll do all right in the league, but yeah, he's yeah, he's been it's not been the greatest and. Yeah, he's my main striker in my worst team of the season. Okay. Um, finally, for me, I've gone for quite an easy choice in my eyes. I've gone for Patrick Bamford. Um, you know, Leeds went down, and there's a lot of games where you know he made some. There's actually a compilation on Twitter of mistakes he made that cost Leeds games or at least points. And you know, a lot of these games that they laid lost points on ends up tallying up to um, cost of their, their place in the Premier League. But Bamford. Hasn't been great. I'm going to get his stats up now. Um, 
he's not, you know, I think he's might be one of those players that go down as a one season wonder because he had that great season, um, which says all that it was in the year with no fans that he started to play well, a bit like Calvert Lewin. Um, you know, but you know, since that season, he's not been the same player. Only got four goals and two assists in the league this year, compared to his 17 and seven assists in 2020 21. And, um, yeah, he, he was, was injured for. 21-22, only had nine games, but 28 games played in this season, just gone to have four goals and th- two assists, and only one off having as many other cards as goals. Um, not good enough. And you know, if you're a striker of a team where they struggled to score goals and they got relegated, then you are to blame. So Bamford for me is up front. Um, but for managers, um, Ryan, who's your Syria worst manager of the season? Ooh. Mm. Difficult. Uh, I'll be honest. I I didn't I didn't make this as a note because it was a very difficult decision to make. I am probably though sliding to probably the most high high profile one. That is Max Allegri. Um, I do rate him as a manager very highly for what he has achieved in his career, but this season in particular. I think his tactics have been questioned a lot, especially by the Juve fans. They're understandably not happy with the defensive-minded football. Albeit, he's had some hard luck with injuries this season. Folks of Chiesa and Pogba and Blachowicz who have been unfit at key parts. So I will give him that. But ultimately, he's not extracted what he should have done from such a talented side. So... Just for that reason alone, yeah, I'm going to slide with Allegri. Right, yeah, I'm going to go with a manager that is actually currently managing in the Premier League so far this season. Well, after he got sacked from this team, um, yeah, he went over to the Premier League. But yeah. he had he had this team, you know, hopping him off the relegation zones. Um, they brought another manager in. He didn't do much else. And then the manager they brought in actually won him a trophy. But I'm going to go for Julian Lottigi, or who's currently at Wolves, but he was at Sevilla. Uh, he only won two games by the time he got sacked in the league. And like I said, you know, he, he's already won a Europa League with him a couple of seasons before that. But yeah, their start to the season um, obviously ultimately led to obviously one of the lowest league finishes. But yeah, I'm going to go with him as my worst manager of the season. Okay. Um, this one's going to be easy for me. Um... My manager is Frank Lampard. Um, it's his, I believe, it was something like a five or six percent win ratio this season, combined with Everton and Chelsea. Um, looking at his manager, I'm trying to find the stats now, but um, so yeah, here we are. So for Everton, um, so from January 31st until January 23rd, the following year, he had a win percentage of 27.3 percent, 12 wins, eight draws 24 defeats but that obviously most of his wins came from last season but with Chelsea 11 games coming in one win two draws eight losses for a team that spent 600 million pounds across two windows almost got two games relegated in the same season for me it has to be Lampard and I I think that his position as getting a top job was already in doubt after his first Chelsea spell um, certainly these last two you know, return to Chelsea and also the Everton spell I think is ruled out any chance of him managing in the Premier League again for certainly a team like an Everton or Chelsea with their history of that club 
Um, Lampard, you know, great, great bloke, but I think it has been proved, you know, last really the last twelve months, especially that he's not, you know, not a manager that's cut up. I mean, David Moyes had the same experience, but he'd already had that, you know, time at Everton in Preston before that. But Lampard has not really, really anywhere really done anything spectacular. So Lampard for me, easiest choice out of the whole uh, twelve people I pick for my worst team. Um, right before we do go. Um, that is our team's complete. We will put the polls out and let you know next week. I've gone back and listened to our predictions episode from the start of this season, and I'm going to go through. God. You said what? Um, how are you boys feeling? <laughs> well, if there's anything to go by last season, not very confident. I know we do all right with these, but I I I, I know that I've, I've got a lot wrong. <laughs> I mean, from all of us, there were some absolute stinkers at some point. I mean, there were. I will say there's a few that are like absolute bangers in terms of predictions being spot on, uh, but there are some that I think we've all got at least one horrific stinker in here. Um, but we are doing, as usual, doing my usual point system, which will be three points if you're bang on with a prediction, uh, one point if you are um, close, and zero points um, if you are nowhere near. So the categories, if you weren't minded, were the champions, the Champions League contender, sorry, Champions League qualifiers, the three teams who are relegated, top scorer, player of the season, surprise team, and flop team. Now, set, set a few rules before we do start the podcast, this this part of the podcast. Um, it's only one point if you get, like, say, the four teams you predict or the three teams you predict to get Champions League but not win the title. One point per correct team. Same with relegated teams. Top scorer, three points if you are top scorer, but if you are second in the list, um, will be a point. And then player of the season, the same thing now. Um, I'm basing player of the season off fact that nominees um, get a point and then uh, official nominees and the winner get um, get three points. Obviously, the prize team and flop team is a bit subjective and I must stress out for the Bundesliga, I had to rely on a friend, Kieran Harm from the Hair Drive Treatment Podcast for whether these teams were surprise teams or flop teams or, or not at all. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to move alphabetical order and Bundesliga first. So... Champions, oh, sorry, yeah, champions will go for first. So, me, Jonathan, and Naeem all get three points because we all picked Bayern to win the league, whereas Ryan did pick Richard Dormant, which almost became um, a game changing decision and almost a brilliant prediction. But Dormant sadly bottled it on the last day of the season. Um, so, Champions League wise, uh, we all get a point for having, um, you know, for having, sorry, me. Nine Johnson have, you know, Bund have a point each for having Dortmund in our Champions League. But sadly for you, Ryan, because of the fact that you had Bayern not win the league, no points there. Um, all get a point for Leipzig, and all of us had Leipzig in our top four. Uh, me and Naim and Ryan had him in third, where John had him in fourth. Whereas we all had Leverkusen in the other spot in our top four, so no points go there. And our three relegated teams now. I went for Werder Bremen, Bochum, and Stuttgart, so no points for me. Same for Jonathan. He had Bochum, uh, Werder Bremen, and Augsburg. Naim had Bochum, Stuttgart, Schalke, um, so he gets a point there. And um, Bochum, Augsburg, and Mutchen Gladbach for Ryan, so no points there. And then top goal scorer. Now, I mentioned some stinky predictions. Um Three of us had some bad ones. One was down to actually two were down to injury, as uh, both Ryan and Jonathan had Patrick Schick as the top goal scorers. I went for Sadio Mane, uh, so no no points for me there. 
But Naeem gets three points, as he correctly predicted. Joint winner, Christian Nkuku. Um, he did get a top score with 16 goals. Um, now, for player of the season, this, of course, went to Jude Bellingham. Um, so, I get no points, as I had Mane as my player of the season as well. Uh, Jonathan gets no points, as he had Patrick Schick. Um, and Cuckoo gets one point for being a nominee. And this one's a bit different, because Ryan's player pick was not a nominee, but he he did win um, a Young Player of the Year award, I believe it was. Uh, Adeyemi, he went for, so he gets a point there. And then surprise team, um, I went for Frankfurt, which I believe I've been told would get me a point. Wolfsburg and it was Ryan and Jonathan's picks, so they get no points and no points for Freiburg as well for Naeem. Whereas I've been told that Hoffenheim were a surprise team, and that was my pick, so I do get three points there. Um, Augsburg, so a point goes to um, Naeem, the fact that you know, they did avoid avoid the drop, which was which was obviously Jonathan's, one of Jonathan's picks to go down. And then Ryan obviously had, had no points for picking Mucic that back as his flop team. But Jonathan's is the first real stinker of our thing. His flop team was Union Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> so that is no points there for Jonathan. So at the end of that first round, I am on nine points. Naeem is on 11 points. Jonathan is on five points. And Ryan is on four. So that means the next league is La Liga, which of course is Naeem's domain. So, champions of La Liga. So, I went for Real Madrid, zero points. Jonathan went for Real Madrid, zero points. Nine went for Real Madrid, zero points. Ryan went for Barcelona. So, he gets the three points. Damn you. (laughs) No Spanish knowledge. (laughs) Shots fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now, now I've got to make an apology to Ryan. I have to give him a point here because I did originally put him down as having no points with Bayern Munich, whereas I can see I've given us a point each, me, Jonathan, and Nine having Barcelona in second place. And also Ryan gets a point for having Madrid in second as well. So I will add a point to Ryan's total. I'll go back and do that. Um, so that is quickly going to change that slightly. Oh, lovely stuff. So... Then, of course, the rest of our um, top four looked like this. I had Sevilla in third place, Atletico in fourth. Jonathan had Atletico Madrid in one in with in um, third place, sorry, and Sociedad in fourth. Ooh. Naeem had Atletico in third, Sevilla fourth, and Ryan had Atletico third, Betis fourth. So, in the end, I got one point for Atletico Madrid. Jonathan gets two points extra for having Atletico and Sociedad. Uh, one point goes to nine for Letico, as does for Ryan for his Letico pick as well. Now, bottom three. Um, my bottom three was Valladolid, Cadiz, and Girona. So one point there goes to me. Jonathan had Valladolid as well, as well as Almira and Mallorca. So he gets a point. Um, Naeem gets one point as well for having the same bottom three as uh, Jonathan. And then Ryan gets two points as he picked Almira, Elche, and Valladolid. So... Um, yeah. The points go there to Ryan. And then player of the season, we all get zero points because the winner of player of the season was Mark Antoine de Stegen. Um, so, no, and obviously, I couldn't, it was the one league where I couldn't find online any nominees. It had just the winner, and that was it. Um, so, obviously, 
Dallas, uh, Ryan and myself went for Vinicius Jr. as our players of the season and Jonathan and Naeem went for Kareem Benzema as our players of the season. Um, top scorers, um, three, three out of four of us went for Benzema as our top goal scorer and we all get a point because he came second in the tally. This was me, Jonathan and Naeem, whereas Ryan gets three big points having Robert Lewandowski as his... Um, Top score of the season. So Ryan is running away with a La Liga crown right now. Um, surprise team. Um, so I've given myself and Jonathan a point as we pick Saucy Dad as our surprise teams. However, I'm not giving the three points because I feel like they were already a team that people were expecting to go in Europa League places. So I don't feel like it's that much of a jump. Whereas um, no points go to Ryan or Naeem as uh, they had Villarreal and Valencia respectively. Yeah. And then, had Valencia. Pardon? Who had Valencia, sorry? Uh, you did. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Man. You'll be uh, thankful in a minute for your flop team because you have Zavia as your flop team. Now, I know what yeah. you're saying. They won the Europa League, but we're taking account purely league performances. So yep. you get three points there. Um, whereas I had Atletico Madrid as my flop team, zero points. Um, John had uh, Mallorca as his flop team. Um, and no real points there because they were a team that people thought would go down. And then Naeem, the worst one of the round, of the last four, I should say, um, he had Saucy Dad as his flop team. <laughs> so um, <laughs> no points there. So at the end of that round, um, for La Liga, I got five points. Jonathan had six points. Naeem had four points. Ryan had 13 points, which means in total, at the end of the La Liga, to have two leagues, Ryan leads away with 18. Second place is nine with fifth. Sorry, nine with 15. Um, third place is me with 14. And bottom place right now is Jonathan with 11 points. We're going on to the Premier League as our penultimate league in our review of our predictions. So going to that one. So champions-wise, um, me, Naeem, Jonathan all had Man City winning the league. So we all get three points there. Whereas Ryan... Sadly, had Liverpool as his champion, so they get a big fat zero, unfortunately. Um, and then going on to the rest of our top four, um, pretty bad for most of us. Uh, I had Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea. Not a single one made top four. Um, Jonathan gets one point as he had Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal in his top four. Um, Naeem had Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, same as me, zero points. Whereas uh, Ryan gets two points for having Man City and Arsenal as well as Tottenham. Relegated-wise, everyone but Jonathan gets one point. Jonathan had Everton, Fulham and Bournemouth, who all survived. Um, Naeem had Everton, Leeds and Bournemouth, so he gets a point there. Ryan gets Everton, Leeds and Bournemouth as well, so he gets a point. Whereas this one I'm quite proud of. I had Leeds, fair enough. I did have Brentford and Fulham, which, but I didn't have Bournemouth, so I'm quite proud of that. Didn't have Bournemouth in my bottom three, which I feel like not many were doing. Uh, but I do get a point there for Leeds. Um, top scorer. I was the only one who had Haaland as my top goal scorer. So I get three points. Um, Jonathan gets a point for second place Kane. Naeem gets zero points for Mohamed Salah. And Ryan gets zero points for Darwin Nunes. <laughs> <laughs> the fun doesn't stop there, Ryan. Because your player of the season was Luis Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> Play a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if he played, he might have been with the shout. But um... this is the last time I 
go anywhere near Liverpool players. <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually want to talk about this because I've not seen PFA do awards this year. I've seen the writers, the writer of the year awards. I've seen Premier League do a team to a um, player season. That's what I base this on for who got nominated and what. But the PFA, I don't think they've done one this year, an uh, actual award ceremony. They did a fans one, a PFA fans player of the year, but not a PFA players player of the year, which I've never seen in all my years watching um, the Premier League. So I don't know what's happening there. Um, but the Harden won the award. But um, De Bruyne was one of the nominees, which is the pick for me, Ryan, sorry, me, Jonathan and Naeem, who all had De Bruyne as our players of the season. So point goes to each of us there. Um, now, surprise team. Now, I do apologise, Ryan. I am taking Premier League into account because you had West Ham as your surprise team. But if I'm honest, they almost got relegated. They were in the they were in the, releg- in the conversation for a lot of the season. So sadly, no points for you there. Mm-hmm. Point goes to Naeem and Jonathan, as you had Nottingham Forest as your surprise teams. And I think that whilst they spent all that money, um, they did survive being a team who got promoted. So I think there's a point there, but I can't give you three points because they did spend a lot of money. But my surprise team was Newcastle United which I'm ever so proud of. So I get three points there. No one had them finishing in fourth place. So there's my points there. Um, now, I looked back at some um, people's, people they said honourable mentions and they, they were thinking about. Now, um, I almost put Leicester as my um, surprise team, <laughs> I believe it was. Um, so um, that, would, that would have been good. But flop team-wise, there's a stinker and there's a, there's a smashing one. So, Jonathan gets a gets a point for Everton as his pick because whilst they had a bad season, they were in two of our four, three of our four teams to go down. So can't have three points there. Ryan no, Aston Villa, so no real points there. Um, not... So here comes the, the sorry, did someone say something then? I thought I thought I picked Leicester. But... No, but I'll tell you who did pick Leicester. Nine picked Leicester, so he gets three points. Oh. <laughs> um, so. That's from the smashing prediction, the terrible one. My uh, team, Arsenal, was Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was no. convinced that Jesus would flop, and um, I am due to give actually the money after someone. I need to do that at some point, but um, but that means after that round, I had eleven points. Jonathan had ten points in this round. Nine had nine points, but Ryan had three points in this round. So at the end of that round. With Ooh. one league remaining, if I can find the page again. Um, so at the end of the round three, I actually lead the way with 25 points after my 11th scored in the last round. After eight points, sorry, after um, nine points, Naeem is now in second place with 24 points overall. Ooh. Ryan is in third place with 20, sorry, 21, I should say. And then finally, uh, Jonathan is last with 19. So it's fairly tight going into the last round. Um, which is a Syria, of course. So, going back to those predictions. Um, so, champions. No one had Napoli in their top four. Uh, just to clarify, so no one had Napoli anywhere near. So, obviously, Napoli obviously won the league by some distance. So that was surprising itself. But my champions were Roma, so zero points. Of course, Lazio finished second, so no one had Lazio as their champion, so no one gets even a point in this in this part because Jonathan had Inter Milan, and both Naeem and Ryan had AC Milan as their champions. But then going into the Champions League qualifiers, I get two points as I had Inter and AC Milan as well as Juventus. Uh, Ryan gets one point 
as he had Inter Milan, Juventus and Roma. Jonathan gets one point as he had AC Milan, Juventus and Roma. And uh, Naeem had one point as well for having Inter Milan, Juventus and Roma. The three teams to go down. Um, I had Empoli, Lecce and Cremonese. So I get a point for Cremonese. As does Jonathan for having Cremonese, Salernitana and Lecce. Naeem gets one point for having Cremonese, Monza and Salernitana. And Ryan gets one point for Cremonese, Lecce and Salernitana. Um, now for top scorer... Everyone stank the place out. I, I had Lukaku. Um, Ryan and Naeem had Immobile. Oh. And Jonathan had Vlahovic. Um, the top, the player of the season, again, no one got a point because I had Chiesa. Um, Jonathan had Vlahovic. Uh, Ryan had Chiesa as well. And Naeem had Dybala. Um uh-huh. I'd actually give Naeem a point there because he had a he, Dybala had a good season, but but was he a nominee for player of the season? That's the question. No, I don't think he was. No, I think because <laughs> yeah. obviously Kavara Kavara Christelia, um, I probably completely mispronounced his name there, but he got the nominee, and then the other ones, um, they did say who they were, or maybe not actually, maybe they didn't say it. Oh yeah, it was uh, Rafa Liao. No, sorry, yeah. that was last season's winner. It doesn't say online who was nominees, but I don't think uh, Dybala was. Um, now, surprise teams, there were three people with zero points and one person with three points. Now, can anyone guess what that is? Oh, God. Um, well, one of the promoted teams? I believe... Ah. I. So, yeah. three people had Roma, so no one gets no points there, but one person picked... Had Monza. Yeah, Ryan picked Monza, so he gets three points there. Um, and then finally, no one gets any points for the, for the flop team because I had AC Milan. Uh, both Ryan and Naeem Atalanta as our flop as your flop teams, and um, John had Fiorentina, which once again is a league based thing, and they didn't do it anywhere near as much to be a, um to be a flop team. So, um, overall, that means in that last round, it was not a good round for anyone. I had three points. Jonathan had two points, as did Naeem, and Ryan had five points. In the end, oh, in fourth place that. is Jonathan with 21 points. Hyde for second with 26 points is Naeem and Ryan, which means that for the first time in the three years, I have won this year's predictions. I believe it was Ryan who won last year, if I'm right in saying that. Um, so I got 28 points. So I am the champion this year. So, um, yeah, that is where we'll end the podcast for this week. And really, for the season. Because that is the end of the domestic season. No international tournaments um, in the men's game. So it's really now a question of what's happening in the off-season. Are we going to attempt to do some fun off-season things, like maybe top tens or things like that? Um, And we are hoping one day to bring guys maybe a podcast in an actual studio, but that is very much in the works. Nothing's being confirmed yet or not. We're all very busy with our time, so trying to find a time where we're all free. but yeah, we hope to be that simple. But if not, we'll still be some podcasts from the invention of Zoom and we will bring you some stuff like top 10s. We did quite a lot of top 10s in our spare time, chilling in pools in Thailand in May. So we may bring you some top 10s in the summer to try and give some content. Uh, but then we are going to aim to give you um, some season preview episodes with fans of different teams. 
before the season starts. Now I've already got people confirmed for the likes of Brighton, the likes of um other teams like Tottenham, and obviously Arsenal will be with with you guys. Um, so yeah, we're hoping to bring you. Now I'm going to try and give you some runs for every team in the Premier League, but we'll also try and give you some Serie A, La Liga, or Bundesliga teams along the way. So stay tuned for that one. That'll be probably either mid July, early July, or maybe early August before the season start, and we'll try and bring you some stuff then. But in the meantime, um, actually, before we go, we're going to have a nice little end to this, this series um, for your favourite memory of the season or favourite moment of the season. There, there have been so many. Yeah. Um... Okay, you know, I think it has to be for me... Reese Nelson's winner against Bournemouth. And what happened after that, Ryan? Where, where did that lead to? <laughs> it led to Champions League football for next season and not Europa League football. <laughs> that was that was, cause that was pretty much in line anyway, wasn't it, when you played better? There wasn't any doubt about Champions League. I don't care. It's where it, it led us to that point. Uh, did you guys see my tweet from last night? I don't know whether you you want to see I did. I saw it. I chose to ignore it. <laughs> No, what did you say? Uh, basically, a picture of me holding a bottle. Outside. Obviously, I, I went to, obviously went to that concert at the Emirates last night and I had a water bottle. I had not the first bottle at the Emirates this season. Yeah, luckily, there were no Arsenal fans around. Otherwise. Oh, no. Well, a friend of the Across the Pod podcast I do, Murph, had it to say. Um, but I think I managed to counteract that with a with a good with a good counter argument. Um, but no, <laughs> I, to be fair, like, I, actually, I even wrote, wrote an article about it at the time saying that that would be the moment that they look back on in May if you won the league. So, you know, you look, look like... So I mentioned this in the podcast at the time, but the, well, look at Nathan Dyer's goal against Aston Villa for Leicester. There's, there's these people that are unsung heroes. Like Divock Origi, you mentioned Origi before. You know, these players who don't do much throughout their careers at a certain club, they have these moments. Like Makeda, for example, Man U all those years ago. Um, Reese Nelson almost wrote himself in folklore. But, you know, I, I am I'm gutted for you guys. I know I've given you guys a stake, but I am actually gutted for you guys because at the end of the day... It is boring seeing the same team win all the time. And you two, I count as really good friends. I, it was sad to see you guys, obviously being with you guys when the league was officially lost. Um, so, yeah, I know I'll give you guys stick and I've given you stick all year long, but I am, I do feel for you guys. I know what it's like to lose the league to Man City. So, um, yeah, no, hopefully next year, provided it's not City and it's not Tottenham, I would like Arthur to play. Although saying that, not for Theo Baker, he annoys me on the pitch side. Um, Naeem, over to you. Oof. Good question, that. Um, from my league, I'll probably say... It can be any league. It can be any league. Any league? Um, yeah. I'll probably say... See, seeing Napoli win the league for the first time, what, since the <laughs> mid-80s? Um, yeah, it's just great to see, really. Like, obviously, Juve, they dominated for, for quite a while. Um, land teams, they won it in between after Juve's, you know... Well, a ten-peat um, came to an end, but yeah, no, it was good to see Napoli win the league. Obviously, not you can tell by predictions, we didn't think they would even finish in the top four. So, yeah, they've had a great season, and yeah, it was, just, it was good to see them win the league and see how how crazy the Naples was. So, I'll go for that one. Uh, best moment, I'd say. I ain't gonna do anything Arsenal related because you know no trophy, but yeah, I'll say Napoli. Well, mine is uh, Martin Tyler leaving Sky Sports. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> that was a good moment, but there's, there's definitely more. Um, I think there's ones that I've loved, like, you know, Messi winning the World Cup was one I loved. Um, but for me, 
It contradicts what I was saying about your win meaning nothing, but I've gone for Liverpool 7, Man U 0. This is like, you know, look at the history of um, the history of like of being a Liverpool fan. Even though City built my heart a lot more than Man U have, they are our biggest rivals, Man U. It's a historic rivalry of years and years and years. And to beat them 7 0, um, unbelievable. I mean, you know, every tackle was on the score sheet. You know, Mo Salah scored a couple of goals, broke a record running whilst in the process of that game. You know, Darwin Nunes, Cody Gakpo. And then, of course, you know, Bobby Firmino, my favourite player um, you know, after Gerald and Torres, certainly of the Klopp era. You know, the same week he announced he was leaving, to get the goal at the end off the bench was pointed by favourite goal of all seven. So, whilst you know, in the end, that, that did sort of, that did start a, you know, um, a late surge of Chelsea football. And I'm hoping that that can lead on to next season. But, um, yeah, that for me was, was my favourite moment because it was just... We were, you know, we'd had some we had a bad few months. To be honest, we had a really terrible start to twenty twenty three, and that just lifted the whole crowd, and it just gave us all something to we can talk about now for basically our whole lifetime. That will never ever not be talked about by Liverpool fans. Um, but I think it'd been even better if we had made Champions League as a result of that. But either way, um, yeah, you can't really fault it. Um, but yeah, that is the end of the Euro Trips podcast and our end of our series so thank you everyone who's made it through all the way um, from our World Cup episodes to our Premier League and Serie A and La Liga and Bundesliga talk all throughout the season um, thank you everyone that's been on of course thank you to Naeem thank you to Jonathan and Ryan um, and Richard as well for the pieces he made on the episodes in the meantime see you guys next